0: Welcome to You, Me, Empathy. Thank you for listening. We would like to remind you that this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. Please consider supporting the show. Check us out on Patreon, or simply leave a review on iTunes. Here's your host and creator of the show, Known Wells.
1: Hello, feely humans. Welcome to You Me Empathy. My name is Known Wells, and I am the creator and host of this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for choosing to take some time out of your day to engage with your heart and to embrace empathy and vulnerability and looking inward And these things, that will change the world, okay? These are the things that will change the world. You are doing the work to change your neighbor, change your friends, change your family, to inspire them to look inward and to recognize that feelings are valid and important and matters of the heart are essential. and allow us to connect with each other and to grow and to de-destigmatize dis- these conversations around mental health. Uh these are the things that are so important to me and are just I'm just so passionate about them. They're 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 what I want to do forever. And I want to continue growing this show and I want to continue reaching more people, and so thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of that. Um, You lovely, feely humans make me feel less alone, uh, which is great and lovely, and we all need that. I feel like a fraud sometimes doing this, because who am I? I'm just a silly boy. I, you know, I haven't even read Charles Dickens' Great Expectations. What kind of loser am I? Ugh. But I have read Moby Dick. So, but in all seriousness, I do. I do feel like a fraud sometimes. I do feel like, why should people listen to me? I don't have a doctorate. I'm not a therapist, but I am someone who cares deeply. I've had these life experiences and I'm using them as a way to connect with others and to take my story and maybe it will make someone like yourself feel a little less alone and maybe a little hopeful uh, in their own mental health. And that's what matters to me. I want more and more people feeling a little bit more hopeful in their journeys. And so thank you for being a part of that journey with me. Uh, A couple of ways that you can help me out. I have a couple of asks, if you don't mind. The first is, the first, the first, the first is a new word. The first ask is that i have uh you know my guests and i list an empathy hero at the end of each episode as you know very well oh dedicated listener uh and you know lately i've been uh, listening off author quotes that i love but if you'd like to uh highlight an empathy hero of yours uh could be you know someone you know personally could be a author or a character from a book or a movie uh Please share those with me. I have a page on my website, knownwells.com, N-O-N-W-E-L-S dot com, uh, where you can submit your Empathy Hero, and I will uh, list them on the show. Isn't that lovely? Uh, the second ask is, please, as I always say, and I'm sorry to, to blather on about this, but I'd love to see more iTunes reviews. So if you haven't left a review Make it your homework this week to do that. I would be so grateful for you if you did that. And I'll read those uh, in the intro. So please go to iTunes and leave a review. Okay, I love you. Uh, Today, this is a new episode. And today I'm talking with my friend Tony, the therapist. Tony time. This is episode 69. Tony and I talk about... The feeling of powerlessness. We also talk about how we as feeling humans sometimes can minimize the severity of our abuse or trauma we're experiencing, um, which can be problematic, but it's very human. And also how we can restore hope again through therapy, recognizing our sense of value and healing shame. It's a good episode. It's a follow-up episode to uh, Bryn Woodley's episode in episode 68, Uh, where she talked about her experience with domestic violence. If you haven't listened to that, go do so. Bryn is a courageous hero uh, and uh, just a bright heart in this world. So go listen to Bryn's episode and support her. She's lovely. Okay, enough of me talking. Here's the episode, episode 69, with Tony time on powerlessness, how we... Can minimize the severity of our abuse, and also how we can restore hope again. Enjoy.
0: La 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 la. You, 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 you. Me. Empathy. Yeah. La,
1: la, la. Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, a podcast about exploring the struggles we face in our day-to-day lives as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot the intent of You Me Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our neuroses, our mental illnesses, our shared anxieties and worries, to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic, and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand in hand, break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being human. You Me Empathy is a safe Friendly space designed to inspire the beauty in each of us. Today I'm here with the man himself, Tony Time, Anthony Romainke. Hello. Hello, None. How's How it going? You? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. pretty well? Yeah. yeah. Man, I'm doing pretty well. Well, you look great. <laughs> Thanks.
0: You look great, too. Uh, huh? You know, the beard's getting grayer, but, you know. Uh, I like it, though. I think, you know, hopefully, as long as it's, you know. It's hair. I'm just happy because you know you've
1: got hair. I've got hair. You've got hair. I've just got hair. Some
0: some men do not have hair, and you know I I am losing it on the top, and and if it's growing on my face, that's fine. Well, you're you in know. your fifties. I am. You know, that's it's frightening. I just it. I just never thought it would happen, and it did. Do you feel fifty? No, I mean as I think most fifty year olds would say, they don't. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that weird juxtaposition of of yeah what i feel inside and what i see in the mirror yeah you know and i think when yeah when you look at the beard and it's getting grayer and you're like really wow that's happening i'm (laughs) aging um but no i i don't i mean i feel great and uh i feel young and uh My wife likes to remind me that I'm not, and and Ashley, my daughter, particularly likes to remind me that I'm not. Because
1: you're older than both of them? Because I'm
0: older than both of them, and, and, you know, and Ash, you know, I mean, from her young years of of 18,
1: 19, almost 19, um, yeah, I'm ancient, and she just
0: doesn't want to let me forget that,
1: (laughs) so... Well, they. uh, I think there's a little bit of humbling there that needs to happen sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. and and she she likes to you know she's the first in line to do that. She (laughs) likes to keep me in check. You know, our loved ones do that the best. They do. I I they do. They know how to like. Just cut to the core.
0: Right. It's like, if you're feeling good about yourself, just, you know, just get right in there and just, you know. Yeah. Just to keep you humble. I love it. You know, keep you centered, keep you grounded. So, <laughs> no, they're awesome. They're, they're great. But Ash does like to poke fun at my age, so. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm not going to poke fun at your age. I think you're a sexy man. Oh, well, you're too sweet. You're, you're I mean, your beard is very nice. <laughs> uh, <thank you. laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, well, you're here on the show uh, because you're... Uh, a professional in the mental health space, give me your little spiel that you need to give. So my little spiel is, um, hi, listeners. My name is
0: Anthony Ramiki, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist here in the beautiful state of California. And my license number is LMFT 47805. And I am licensed with the California state of, uh, or I should rephrase that, I am licensed in California by the Board of Behavioral Sciences. And uh, I have a, Private practice in beautiful Newport Beach, California, um, where I, I just have the coolest job in the world, and I get to see clients throughout the week and, and work on all kinds of various presentations and and hopefully improve people's relational functioning and and uh, that's awesome. I'm, I really have the coolest job.
1: You do, and you're you're good at it. Even though I have never been a patient. Well, of yours, I appreciate the guess, but. It's not a guess. I think it's a, it's a deductive reasoning that's right. that's based in my experience with you as your friend and yes. knowing that you have tremendous insight into the mind and how you know how humans operate and why we do what we do. So,
0: well, thank you. It's it's yeah. certainly something that is a continual fascination for me, and and it's um, I think the ability to bring that into work every week is is just what makes the work so much fun. And, and hopefully that's what then, you know, transpires into the work with clients. Um, yeah. It's just an, it's such a great job from the per career or, or work, what do we want to call it, profession, uh, from the vantage point of, I mean, it's you're always learning, you know? I mean, mm. you're just, you're always learning. Yeah. And it's, there's the information out there. And, you know, we'll probably touch on some of it today as we talk about different issues. But, I mean, you know, we're just on the cusp of so much new learning i think in terms of the brain and how the brain works uh why we do what it is that we do from either a biological model, you know model a neurological biological physiological model um you know versus you know what we've done in the past and continue to do with 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 good reason is to explore you know what are the environmental and the social constructs and and um how do those obviously play a significant part in who we are and and um you know our relationships and so it's just it's endless the learning is endless i love to learn and it's it's endless so it's uh and you know working with clients is a constant growth process for them and for me you know i mean it's a constant you know evolvement of the work uh our relationship as as client and as uh therapist and it's so it's it's just it's never boring and it's, it's never stagnating. It's always, always evolving. So it's, yeah. So it's awesome. I mean, for all those reasons.
1: I love, I mean, I love the, the idea. I mean, I think it's a perfect anecdote to like how one should really live their life. And, And by that, I mean, it is always a journey of discovery and learning and education. And the humbling part of it is like the reality is that, each new experience we we have, like we're dealing with different things every time. Yeah, we're bringing in new things ourselves every time. We're, you know, you know, medicine is is advancing. You know, right. the people that we're understanding the brain more. We're understand, understanding ourselves more. Hopefully, yeah, absolutely. So it's it, it is a sort of constant improvement, constant right. like feedback cycle that that is a is a good sort of anecdote for life it is and and it it never
0: ends right i mean it's it's an Mm, it's a continuing process you know we don't cross a finish line we're never fixed we're never you know um completely actualized it's we're always evolving and and i like what you said which was you know every new growth step that we take you know that's that's just one step closer to the next yeah. You know, and so we're we're always moving forward in that sense, or hopefully we're moving forward in that sense. But it's um yeah, there there's you know, there's not a finish line. It's a continual evolvement. And and well, it's it, not a race at all. And it's definitely not a race. No, there's definitely, definitely not not a race. And um, you know, hopefully we just build on the progress at the pace that we're needing to go. At the you know at the the speed in which works for us and and you know and being mindful about that right you know yeah. what, what's really truly in our best interest what's really truly benefiting benefiting us from a relational um, point of view in terms of uh, you know good growth right good healthy balanced growth yeah and it, again as a marriage and family therapist you know what we're trained to do and and what we work on is you know people's relationships and and learning how to really. Um, you know, develop and grow or heal in a manner in which is consistent with, you know, improved relational functioning. And, uh, and that's incredible. I mean, you know, what a great thing to, again, to, to bring to your work and to, um, it's awesome for me to be or to, you know, as a journeyer with people who go on that journey and to watch them over the course of treatment continue to evolve and grow and journey into new areas of life and into, you know, greater fulfillment. And, um, that's really amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like being a parent in the sense, you know, that I can relate with Ashley and watching her grow up and taking all these new developmental steps and watching her reach milestones or reach a new level of thinking or a new level of functioning or, you know, or, uh, you know, greater social, um, Oh, gosh, what would be the word there? Just capacities mm-hmm. um, or experiences. So, yeah, it's it's really amazing. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: I forgot what I was going to say, yeah. so let's move on. <laughs> um, You'll think of it. Yeah, I'll think of it. So, let's – I want to talk a little bit about domestic abuse. So, mm-hmm. uh, for the listeners, I chatted with my friend Bryn, uh, about her experience being in a situation where she was uh, abused by her her husband, very uh, difficult to hear, and and, and certainly, um, you know, a, perv- a perversion of what things should be, right? right. You know, and, right. and my heart goes out to Bryn, but I'm so I'm so proud of her for opening up uh, on you, empathy. So go listen to that episode uh, if you have not. What, how do we start with domestic abuse? I I guess, let me start with maybe my experience with it. Yeah. Right. So, my experience with it is, of course, like, you know, watching my father abuse the people in his life and and my mother and physically at times he wasn't, you know, he did get physical for sure. Sure. And and he got physical with me a a number of times, Um, but there was a lot of like... Emotional abuse Mm -hmm. and verbal abuse, you know, and and, then coming from someone who was, you know, very narcissistic and very self involved and, and felt he was better than everyone, you know, he, when he felt like, um, this was my perception, of course, right? What I noticed in his, in him is when he felt. Maybe, like, he was losing some of that power, or he's losing his grounding as the top guy, right? Or he wasn't being taken seriously, or Mm. uh, he wasn't getting his way, or what have you. Yeah, he would lash out emotionally, verbally, you know, and to the people uh, who he should be the kindest to, right? His loved ones, his family. Right, right. Um. So that's my experience with like it, sort of firsthand in my father. I guess let's just start with like, do you as a uh, therapist do you interact with these types of behaviors, domestic abuse specifically? Often is it more rare? Like what what's what's going on there? Let's just start with that. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, I it's, it's certainly not uncommon, and I think
0: um you know I think you've you've touched on important points about domestic violence or domestic abuse. Uh, first point that you mentioned that came to my mind that, you know, may, might be a good way for us to start talking about this is that I think a lot of times when people think about domestic violence or they think about uh, domestic abuse is they think physical. Right. right. And, and I think it's a great, you know, misnomer. And it's a great thing for us to be able to, you know, point out that it's not
1: just physical abuse. And but That's and, how, like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but sure, like. No you know you see movies right and and you, you there's the father figure who's abusing the the wife or whatever or the son or the right. daughter you know and it's always you know the 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 sort of key scene or like the thing that they're focusing on narratively is the physical violence right they, absolutely they, they, it's very rare where it's really exploring the sort of more the other stuff, the right. other s- stuff that you're referring to. Yeah, yeah no, I
0: mean, I, you're right. I mean, I think culturally, you know, and, and maybe it's it's been so um, shown to us through different forms of entertainment, media, that, you know, we do think of the, the, the physical nature of abuse, right? You know, right. no more wire hangers. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah. What was that yeah. movie that was about? I always remember that scene. Um, oh, shoot. I'm completely blanking. I'm Our, our listeners too. will remember. Uh,
1: uh, classic. Yeah, you know, famous actress. Film, yeah. yeah, the
0: classic film. And I'm completely blanking right now. <clears> so um, our listeners will remember probably. Our nerd cred
1: has. Yeah, taken I mean, we've just completely tanked.
0: Hopefully that'll come back to us as well. But I mean, you know, and, but again, the idea of, yeah, that physical abuse, but what's. More prevalent, I would say, more often is, you know, emotional abuse, uh, you know, as you were pointing out, you know, the verbal abuse, the emotional abuse in which, you know, there can be chronic, you know, uh, chronic criticalness, right, Criti- you know, chronic humiliation, chronic demeaning, um, or, you know, the actual uh controlling aspects of of abuse you know meaning financial abuse which is not you know again uncommon
1: How, what is that
0: uh so it's basically where the the person you know the, the partner in the relationship who who in this case would be you know the way to the victim or the you know the one who's being victimized yeah um somehow loses you know the loses control or loses power in the relationship so essentially where you see financial abuse happening is where let's say uh, one partner has control of all the finances
1: oh yeah and
0: the other partner doesn't have access, let's say, to, to any money. They don't have access to, you know, resources technically. Mm-hmm. And so it keeps them, you know, very, very disempowered, right? You know, it keeps them very powerless in the relationship because they don't have They don't have access to to the financial resources. Codependent? uh, Uh, Well, it's not codependent per se. Uh, It's it's just, you know, it forces dependency. Dependency. Yeah, 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 yeah. it actually creates some dependency in that case. And so, and again, it's a way of controlling, right? It's a way of, you you were talking about control. And it's definitely a way of controlling another human being and limiting their power, right? So, you know, so taking away somebody's power... And in, in the way in which we think about domestic violence is probably a good way of thinking about it, because you know it's it's not unlike terrorism, right? I mean, if we really mm. think about it on a you know on a global scale in terms of you know what we understand about terrorism, which is you know terrorism is to create terror, right? And it's to create terror in somebody in which to create submission, you know, fear. Um, and basically, powerlessness. And so, and there's many, many, many ways that can happen. Again, it can be through finances. You know, the controlling of finances uh, it can be through, uh, like we were mentioning before, the emotional, and the verbal abuse, and also uh, certainly physical. You know, certainly physical abuse as well. So, if there's disempowerment happening, you know, if there's a very, if there's unequal playing fields, so to speak, between two partners. Then, you know, you you want to examine why that's happening and, and, this, and levels of severity, right? I mean, obviously, as we think about this, there are varying levels of severity um, where this occurs. So,
1: what do you mean by varying levels of severity? I mean, do you as a practitioner look at these varying levels as an important part of your? Well, it, yeah, for sure, you know, for sure. Because I think what
0: we're, you know, as a practitioner, what you're looking for is, and what I mean by that is, you know, their are trust. Or let's make this quite clear: there's no acceptable levels of physical abuse. I mean, that's plain and simple. Right. Uh, that's just simply that's not acceptable. You know, and and in that case, we are really going to you know work with a client to find you know empowerment, safety. Uh, empowerment look may look very different in this case. Um, that is something in working with clients that we want to be very careful about because you know their safety is the first and foremost you know I- important thing and we don't want to necessarily go out and teach assertiveness you know right away in terms of pushing back against the person who's abusing you because that may increase the abuse. Right, right. So, so, you know, again, this is something that somebody would definitely want to seek out some, you know, professional help with, because this is something you would never want to navigate on your own or navigate through the, even the psychoeducation we share here or anywhere. You would definitely want to work with somebody and get some professional help because it's very tricky. And again, your safety is a foremost concern. So, Um, but what I meant by there's varying degrees, what I'm talking about there is there's varying you know, a lot of times you'll see varying degrees of what we would say would be maybe emotional or verbal abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, meaning, you know, you know, it might be, I'm trying to think of a good scenario in my head. I think a lot of times what I'll see people, if they come in and they present, I think sometimes there's a, a distortion or there's an, a minimization within themselves of recognizing actually the level of severity that they're experiencing versus what they believe they're experiencing. Okay. So I think that's really what I mean is that there tends to be more minimos. I see, I can see. And have seen minimization, so you know I like, see so like i don 't think it's that bad,
1: or yeah yeah, okay. you know
0: downplaying kind right. of minimizing, you know i yeah, you know I, I know it 's happening, but you know he or she really loves me,, mm. and you know they just you know occasionally they just lose their temper and and you know just say horrible things or do horrible things, so you 'll you will tend to see some minimization around those types of things, and sometimes in working with a professional, sometimes it helps to get a different perspective. And sometimes they, you know, they leave recognizing, you know, this is a lot more severe than I I thought or, you know, the impact of this is is far deeper than I was aware of. You know, I mean, it's having a strong impact on my sense of self, on my self-value, on my self-esteem or on my ability to live a satisfying life, right? You know, I mean, I'm living such a constricted life. I'm walking on eggshells. I don't want to say something. I don't want to do something for fear that that'll, you know, that'll activate the other person or trigger the other person into a rage or into physicality. Um, so I, you know, it's not uncommon I think, to see those rationalizations and minimizations.
1: And it's like, one of the things that strikes me as so profound about any sort of domestic violence is the fact that, you know, we as humans, uh, we need safety, as you said. You keep using the word safety. Safety, yeah. And we need um, to be to feel like we need to empower ourselves and 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 that individual empowerment, right? And when those two things are taken away, right? I mean, my goodness, exactly. And that's you know what we're looking at
0: as well, right? In the relational dynamics, we're looking at is there safety? You know, is is this person someone whom you feel safe with? And and again, that is something to really explore with a professional. What does that mean? What does that look like? And, but like you said, beyond that, it's, you know, do I feel equally empowered? And, right. and that could look very different in a relationship. You know, sure, we're not, sure. You know, I mean, but, but, you know, do I live a life in which I feel, you know, hopefully, you know, in, in a, in a, you know, in a great healthy relationship, somebody's going to feel supported, encouraged, you know, free to, to live you know, the life that, that they feel, you know, drawn to live, you know, know, within some compromise, right? I mean, every relationship, you know, obviously brings some level of compromise. Um, We can't always do everything that we want, but having said that, it's important that we understand that, um, you know, our needs are important. Like we always talk about here, our feelings are important. And if we have a spouse or a partner who's, who can be supportive, right. Can be encouraging. And again, that doesn't mean you're always going to get to do what you want but it's the sense that you can be heard you know you can hopefully be validated and hopefully you know um, i certainly like to work with couples getting them to hear one another right you know validate their partner's experience normalize uh you know maybe what some needs are but can they necessarily come to fruition you know might that be you know one partner may have the desire to go out and spend you know six months on a you know on a sailboat um and take a break from life I, and and they may feel strongly drawn. Now, can that actually happen? I mean, that's something the couple has to navigate. But if it's you know if it's something you would desire to do, and it's just not validated, heard. It's are there's some you know um, significant restrictions or I mean, just you know some form of what I'm there trying to say. There needs to
1: is- be a, a a listening. There needs to right. be like a genuine. Uh, conversation happening, right? Even if it's like like deep down, both of you know that like maybe the six month sort of abroad trip by themselves is probably unrealistic, right? But it's it's still important to take it seriously, right? In a way, exactly. I mean, it's it's nice to be heard, right? Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes, and you know,
0: sometimes it's all we need. Sometimes you know that fantasy we may have, if if our partner hears it, it's just you know might be enough right now and it might just feel so good just to, to know that, you know, your partner hears that and they can certainly empathize with, with your, you know, your, your wishes and your desires. Um, but ultimately you may come to the understanding that no, it can't happen, you know, or yeah. at least can't happen now. Now, as I'm thinking about this and, and I'm thinking about the way we're presenting, it, I want to f- make something very clear. I mean, cause we kind of moved into starting to talk about healthy relationships. So I don't want to give anybody the impression out there that, you know, if, if, um, you know, if they're working with a partner you know, and, and they're navigating these types of things and the partner's just not very supportive that in any way at all, we're talking about abusive relationships or anything. No, we've kind of, you know, through this, through our journey here, we've started just talking about, you know, fully optimized, healthy relationships. Um, again, you know, abusive relationships, whether verbal, financial, controlling, emotional or physical, um, you know, are, are far outside that window. Right. So, right, yeah. want to no. make sure should sure we make that distinction yeah no that's so. a good distinction
1: what have you have you had situations with patients where you're talking to the abuser themselves or is it mostly well, the abused I mean I, I gosh I, you know I think in most clinical
0: settings um, I would Uh, You know percentages, or you know, it would be really difficult for me to to even try to guess at that. But I would say in most clinical settings, you know, there's there's the opportunity to meet with both, uh, you know, through through different forms of presentations. So I think in the clinical setting, I think you're not going to say I'm not going to say because I couldn't that you're as apt to see. A potential, you know, person who might be, you know, abusing, as well as the person who might be victim. I mean, I'm not even sure what the statistics of those things would be in terms sure. of who would actually come to treatment. But I think, yeah, I think there's a possibility. To certainly have both. I mean, yeah. absolutely.
1: And what? Because you've you said you've had conversations or you've worked with patients who are in abusive relationships. Can you give me some examples of like things that you've worked with them on in terms of just? how to find themselves again. What, what kind of tools are you giving them to find hope? Well, you know, hope, hope,
0: I mean, what a great word. Um, and, and I would say that is a word and that is a, an experience that a lot of, you know, I think clinical practice is, is aimed around Mm. in general. Mm -hmm. And, and this is no different. Um, because I think whether we struggle with depression or whether we struggle with anxiety or whether we struggle with, um, you know, a d- domestic violence situation, abusive relationships, unhealthy relationships, I, you know, I, I think hope is the thing I think most people are striving to have. And again, I think that's something that becomes a real important aspect of progress, you mm. know, and treatment. And, and I think helping restore for somebody, you know, I think, um, you know, not to speak for other practitioners, of course, but, you know, I mean, I, I think the goal of, a, of most of our work in clinical settings is, you know, is to help people restore that sense of hope. And, you know, and so I think the process of that, you know, as it relates to, oh, gosh, so many, so many presentations that I think about is really helping the person recognize their sense of value, you know, and I think that is such a core component of so many presenting disorders and relational issues. Um, I've gone back and started reading John Bradshaw. Do you remember John Bradshaw? Mm-mm. So, John Bradshaw was really popular. He released some books. I think it was probably in the late 80s, mid 80s to late 80s. And he used to do... um Oh, gosh. Kind of infomercials. Okay. You know, the 30-minute, like, infomercials. You know, you, you buy 30 minutes of time on, sure, a, sure. on public broadcasting. Um, not unlike what Daniel Lehman does today. Like, you'll still find, like, some Daniel Lehman. I don't know who that is either. <laughs> uh, Daniel Lehman. Uh, awesome psychiatrist, Daniel Lehman. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, who actually has offices here in Newport Beach, California. Oh, wow. And he does spec scans and he looks at the brain and he determines, um, you know, levels of functioning through the spec scans where somebody may be having problems. And he actually works a lot from a naturopath or a supplement-based, mm. you know, really trying to work with people on a on a health-oriented way to kind of optimize your brain. So, so you will you know, it's, so Daniel Lehman's still out there doing these. Um, but John Bradshaw used to do these quite a bit and he wrote some great books. Uh, really talking about shame. Shame was a really big topic that he had talked about in his writings. And he, and one of the greatest books is, is a book by him that's called, um, oh gosh, if I can remember this, uh, Healing the Shame That Binds Us, I believe is the name of, of the book. And then the other one was, I think, I believe it's called On the Family. And these were, Really, really great books. And they talked again about this idea of shame. And I, for me, that is such an interesting topic in terms of the way that that plays out in people's lives, because an unhealthy sense of shame is really, really, really something I think that, uh, really impacts our sense of self and value. And I think if we take that, you know, feature, you know, of, of self and then how that ultimately plays out, whether it's in, um, you know, areas of depression, areas of anxiety, areas of addiction, areas of, of poor relationships, and 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 maybe even domestic violence situations. You know, I think that is something really, really foundational to explore and to examine and mm. and to look at. Because again, I think, you know, depending on what our sense of self is with regards to, uh, you know, an internal sense of value, you know, self-esteem, I think it's going to say a lot about what we'll tolerate. You know, and I think if we have a healthy, you know, if we if we're growing a healthy sense of self, I think we're going to really start to evaluate um, the unhealthiness around us. You know, and again, whether that's in a behavior, whether that's in a relationship, um, I think you know it it takes it takes spirituality. I mean, you know, I think it takes many different forms, but it's it's such a core core component of of self, you know, and and who we are as people. So. I love studying shame, you know, and exploring that. And I love understanding, you know, people's sense of shame mm-hmm. and their sense of value or lack of value. And, uh, and you know, for psychotherapy, for me, I think one of the, the key components of psychotherapy is a uh, co-created relationship in which, you know, the patient or client gets to experience... A relationship, you know, maybe unlike many that, you know, he or she has ever had, that really promotes, um, you know, even brain-based promotion of change that really increases a person and and a healthy sense of self and really increases a a social construct or a, 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 a social environment that allows for that type of change and, you know, that again can lead to a place of questioning of why you know why is that person in my life? Do I want mm-hmm. to continue to have that relationship? Is this a healthy person? Is this a toxic person? And really making those distinctions.
1: Have you read any Bra- uh, Brene Brown?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the Gift of Imperfection is, you know, I mean, and her work is phenomenal. Yeah, I'm reading love, Daring, Daring
1: Greatly right yeah, now. Yeah. And she talks about shame resilience. Yeah. Um, the thing about shame sometimes for me is I... Don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Like that's like that's the hard part. Is right. Like I I know that I'm feeling some shame, and I and I I try to work back and understand like where's that coming from, and is it about you know sort of my insecurities? Is it is it about not feeling uh, like I deserve love or like like yeah. what's what's going on there? Is that is that common to, like, try to, like, you know, ask, like, where the hell is this shame coming from? Oh, yeah. Because it's such a, like, a overwhelming feeling at times and it seems, like, kind of amorphous and, like, has yeah. no grounding. It's just, like, this... Yeah, right. You know? No, no. It is, I, I find it to be very common
0: and and I, I can speak to that personally, you know, I mean, as, I think, very much part of the human condition. Yeah, And I think we all wonder and, you know, and, yeah, like, and, you know, uh, where does that come from, or or why would I allow myself to continue in this relationship, or what am I doing? I know mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, so you know, it's you, these types of of self statements and self self questions. But again, to me, the, that is oh gosh, I mean, so difficult to always answer, right? I yeah. mean, it, you know, when we consciously have to try and think about that or reflect i uh, You know I like that people will reflect on it you know and 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 be insightful and and wonder, but for me, so many of those early messages you know in terms of when when was it that our self esteem or our self valued or our sense of self was established and for me that 's fundamental to those first few years of life i mean it's mm-hmm. it 's really fundamental to you know what were some of our earliest you know social environmental relational experiences and what sense did our brain make of those early what at the time would have been sensory-based experiences right and but you know we're going through an explosion of brain growth during that time in which you know the brain is developing how it's going to think in a lot of ways and and how is it going to make sense of the sensory experiences it's been having and you know so as, as you're increasing the brain's connectivity to different parts, you know, it's like you're creating a roadmap and you're creating a structural roadmap. And if a lot of your early, you know, foundational experiences have been poor, you know, if, if they've been negative, if they've been lacking, if they've been neglectful, um, part of my understanding is that then my sense of value or a person's sense of value is p- potentially going to be very negative, you know, mm. because, what was wrong with me that my needs weren't met? You know what was wrong with me that I wasn't valuable enough that, you know, the the people around me made me feel good. And if we think about that in a very primitive way, I think most people would say, "Well, I must be bad. Right. I must not be good because you know." If, again, I think to go back that early in in life, we're very black and white. You know, the, the level of abstraction is is you know almost you know none. Obviously, I mean, we're very black and white, and so which is know, problematic. Which is problematic, but it's yeah. you know it's it's it's, it's fundamental to how we're how we're uh, born and and how the brain starts to grow and form so it becomes very black and white and it is problematic in terms of long-term functioning right? It, be, right it ends up becoming very problematic with regards to how we take that with us the rest of our lives and then what do we start you know the way i always talk about it is you know if you've got uh now i'm definitely going to date myself most people are going to go what the hell is that <laughs> um you know, I think when I was growing up in you know late seventies, there was a game that came out where it was like a felt board, and you you hung it up on your wall, okay. and you had these little plastic balls that had Velcro, and you threw them. Uh huh. Yeah, I and remember it's, that. Remember would stick, I remember those. it. I remember that. Yeah, sure. So for me, it's kind of the same idea. You know, and the 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 brain being that the felt uh. you know piece that you're holding against the wall. And it's only going to stick to certain things that the environment's throwing at it, or that the social environment relationships, balls.
1: environment balls, exactly. Yeah. With Velcro, the environment's balls are just just right th- up in just our brain, right they're <laughs> thrown at
0: you, <laughs> thrust against you. So you know, so you know what's going to stick are the things that you have a template. That is going to allow that to stick to. Right, right. And, and, you know, and that has a lot to do also with just familiarity of experience, right? You know, so, so what, what is it that I'm most familiar with because of mm. what I've experienced? And again, what my brain has developed around. And those are going to be the things that I'm going to generally, you know, what we call attract into our life or, or find ourselves accepting or finding ourselves chronically drawn to Mm -hmm. so and again helping people work work past that so their felt so to speak on the wall is much greater it has much greater capacity to attract you know much more healthier things um you know this is kind of the the metaphor there
1: the felt can be better felt
0: it, well you can have instead of one board there can be 30 boards
1: and, yeah. and balls all up in your face <laughs> and and so many balls I just <laughs> we're flush with balls it's I like am. a ball pit up in here I, it's uh, yes yeah. yes so or a porn set and <laughs> am I am I completely red am <laughs> completely red
0: So, yeah, I mean, just, and so, you know, so, so we can start to get healthy experiences coming at us, right? Or or the identification of, of who might be a healthy person. What does that even look like? I mean, what does it look like to somebody who did not grow up in a healthy experience? Right. What does a healthy person look like? How would you know that?
1: And, you know, a lot of people don't
0: know it until they've done some, some, some work. So, Mm.
1: I want to transition into one other, like, topic that I've been thinking about lately, which is identity. So, this idea of identity and you know I've been I've been sort of going back and forth with some some listeners uh, via Instagram and thinking about identity in terms of like my identity and and you know I have depression I have anxiety I have anorexia or I'm in recovery from anorexia like these are all words that I right. can use but how useful are they are the labels useful but I also wonder if, Or I also value these experiences that I had because my depression has, and my anxiety and my anorexia have allowed me to see other parts of myself and others in ways Mm -hmm. that I couldn't have, if not for those things. So, I I hold, I cherish them in a way. And uh, it's not all, it's not all of me, but it's part of me, right? Yeah. Like what? What are your thoughts around identity and mental illness and labels and not labels and how that you know either uh, inhibits mm. personal growth or uh promotes yeah personal growth
0: that yeah, well, that is a great question and and unfortunately, I don't think you know there's a you know this way's healthy this way no one size fits yeah, all yeah this right? is definitely not a one size fits all in fact, I think it's a, it's a great topic because I think it's it's something if you put out to you know ten lay people or you know ten professionals in in the field, you know I, I think you'd get at that point twenty wonderful opinions, yeah, yeah. in terms of what it means, all of, of great insight and and introspection and and thought provoking. Because I've heard, you know, I've heard people talk about this and say, gosh, you know, one of the greatest times in my life was when I could finally recognize that I had fill in the blank.
1: Yeah. You know. Put it, a name to put it. Put a name it to its it. It's power. Right. Yeah.
0: it's It was so helpful in helping them identify something, you know, a, a phenomenon that they had been experiencing for so long and, and couldn't put an identification to it. You know, they right. couldn't put a definition to it. And it was something that was torturous and distressing, and created so much just you know internal disharmony and and, and so to know like to get a diagnosis, let's say, or or you know again the um, determining you know that they fit the criteria for for X fill in the blank.
1: There's knowledge that comes with it. There's too, so much right? knowledge that comes yeah. with that, and and now you have a path.
0: Yeah. You know, now you have a path. Now, you know, now you have maybe a treatment plan, you know, and one of the things, you know, obviously we do as therapists is if somebody comes in with a presenting issue, we create a treatment plan around that because, yeah. you know, how are we going to work with this person and how are we going to get them to the goals that they want to achieve? So, so it can be so helpful and, I, and, and people have just, you know, shared that, you know, that it was just so nice to finally get something. Now on the flip side, I've heard people say that, well, you know, it all of a sudden can be, you know, if you identify again as X or I have X, then like to your point, like that's who I am and and nothing else exists outside of, you know, I'm an alcoholic or I'm a, you know, I'm a drug addict or I'm a sex addict or, and that's it that, you know, that becomes my determining and defining self. Right. And I think if that's the case, you know, you know, a lot of people have talked about the the distress that actually comes with that because aren't I so much more? Right. You know, I mean, aren't I, is that just maybe a part of me, you know, and, and aren't I, you know, a spiritual person and a father and a son and a, uh, you know, great employee and I'm a, you know, whatever, you know.
1: We always talk about as a society, like... Don't put that person in a box, right? right. Like don't, don't don't just label them. You know, right. just label them a thing and that's what they are, right? right. But we also do that to ourselves and we I well, think we even hold on to that stuff well, to to to, right. to our detriment. And, and you know, and, and I think again,
0: it's you know, it's there's a good part to that. I yeah, mean, in, in totally. terms of of kind of the evolutionary perspective as of us being human beings, and, and I think you know, I think Malcolm or I remember Malcolm Gladwell talking about this, and I was it in Blink potentially, but um, who who by the way, those are some great books. Malcolm I haven't Gladwell, read them, so. but I've heard. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I love brain. it. Blink. I, I really enjoyed Blink. Highly recommend Blink. But, you know, but basically this idea, you know, that, you know, hopefully, you know, Malcolm, if you're listening, um, you'll accept this summary of it. But <laughs> Malcolm's favorite podcast is You Me Empathy. That'd be don't awesome. You know? <laughs> I would love it. But just kind of the idea that, you know, the book Blink, I mean, you know, that we make quick decisions in the blink of an eye. Mm. and And I think that is... You know, certainly to our our benefit as human beings, because we have to make quick assessments, right? We have to you know make sometimes very quick unconscious decisions about you know are we on this side of the street? Do we walk on that side of the street? You know, and and you know this is a great topic. I mean, this can go into um, the vagus nerve and gut instinct and and trusting that. Um, so this could you know this might end up being a podcast of its own someday that we do or we a subject that we talk about, but. You know, again, this idea that I think we're, you know, as human beings, again, we are designed to make decisions. We are made – we're quick to make categorizations. And then we do that with ourselves. That's the point, you know, yeah. is that we also do that with ourselves. So,
1: Yeah. Well, let's 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 put a pin in that and 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 maybe come back to this and do a whole episode. Yeah, on I think that identity. could be really
0: interesting, and you know, on on that, it's a yeah. great topic, and it's um, yeah, I think there's a lot of different cool ways we could talk about it. And, excellent, yeah. excellent.
1: Well, let's uh, let's wrap up this episode. We have another episode to record. We do. So let's wrap this up, uh, Tony. Thank you for being a part of this. You're you're a good dude with a gray beard. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, gray beard for sure, and I appreciate the the good dude part. So, but
1: no, always a pleasure to be
0: here, and always a pleasure to getting to talk about um, mental health and and the st- you know the stigma, or hopefully the reducing of the stigma of mental health. And totally. So, always a pleasure. Thanks, man. All right, you got it.
1: Well, listeners, uh, definitely follow UME Empathy on Twitter and Instagram at UME Empathy. Uh, give us a rating and review in iTunes. That would be fantastic. I would love you. Tony would love you. Do that. The show needs more reviews in iTunes and not Google if Daniel's listening. <laughs> uh, hey, Daniel. <laughs> and as always, I'm here, you're here. We're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, awe-inspiring pale blue dot. We have each other. It's Yumi Empathy.
0: Oh.